Whether you've grown up attending religious services or never gave much thought to it, spirituality is an ever-present tenet in our society. We're surrounded by incomplete views of religion, from headlines about radicalism to stereotypical caricatures on TV, and not many of us have the time to study theology or read every holy book. I'd like to satiate my curiosity for the divine. What do people believe, and more importantly, why do they believe? Welcome to What Comes Next. I'm Olivia Wakeham, and together we'll start to answer some of our burning questions about religion and tradition in the 21st century. cultural sense that go along with like the Middle East and Islam and like one of the biggest things that the Prophet always said was to make sure that um, you were well dressed and that you smelled well on Friday specifically. These are the sounds of the University of Georgia's Muslim Student Association. On November 15th, the organization held an artistry and Islam event where students came to experience the different types of beauty in Islam. Sahar Khan, a third year biomedical physiology student, invited me to experience the event for myself. Um, I'm a little nervous, but I guess that's just to be expected since I don't really know anyone or what to expect, but I'm excited to see what is going on. Um, yeah, let's just get on with it. This one reminds me of my childhood. Really? Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> when I first decided to focus on the subject of religion, I wanted to start with a topic that was at the forefront of everyone's mind. You can't really go more than a few days without reading a headline about Islam. It might be protests in Iran led by young women, or maybe reports about French efforts to ban hijabs. But either way, the matter of women in Islam is something discussed all over the world. I wanted to hear about this from someone it actually impacts. That's what led me to Sahar. Okay, so I follow the Sunni Hanafi faith. So um, there's like two major sects of Islam, which is um, Sunni and Shia. And there's not really a, um, there can be large differences, but the main difference is, is their belief in um, who should have followed after the prophet had passed away. The Shias believed that it was based on his uh, lineage and like blood dynasty type thing. And uh, Sunnis believe that it's for, um, based on like scholars and like who's most well-educated and it can't just be based on like, oh, you were related to the prophet or you were part of his family. I sat down with Sahar to learn more about her beliefs as a young Muslim woman in America. Now, Islam is complex, with a lot of different sects and beliefs that vary based on what part of the world you're in, how your family raised you, and who you learn it from. And although Sahar's perspective does not represent everyone who practices the faith, she shared with me what womanhood in Islam looks like for her and what draws her to practicing this faith. She began by explaining her religious journey so far. So like, uh, I was religious and then I stopped being religious like my senior, junior year of high school. And that was just mainly because like, I was, uh, it, COVID honestly actually helped with my religion just because like, 
partially helped, partially didn't, because being um, with my parents at home was sometimes difficult just because I felt like their watchful eye more so than God's. And so it was like a bit um, difficult to deal with that. But after I went to college, my freshman year, I wasn't religious. I didn't pray. I didn't practice at all. And I think that was partially just because I wanted to fit in with the crowd at UGA, which is very different than like my home family, which I had been with like for a couple months now because of quarantine. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely felt lost during that time. I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, it was this feeling of just restlessness. Um, so it was just not very comfortable, but uh, I eventually became more religious and like lost some judgment I had for myself because I think I was judging myself for being too religious or just judging myself for not being religious enough for the faith or for my parents. But then I realized like it's a journey and like I think God would rather me try to be a better Muslim rather than just completely let go of it all and, you know, stray away, I guess you could say. But um yeah, so I definitely have become more religious. And of course, there's still practices, like parts of the religion that I'm not the best with. Like I'm not a hijabi for, um, you know, you can't see visuals, but I'm not a hijabi, but I'm working towards it. And like, um, yeah, so I like to say that I'm trying to become more religious. And um, part of that is just, you know, going up through ups and downs. Some days are harder, some days are easier. Sometimes I miss my five prayers. Sometimes I pray all of them, you know. Sometimes I got three in, you know. Just constant reminders of God, though. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Growing up in a place dominated by Christianity wasn't always easy for Sahar. She's seen people stare at her mother and sister when they wear their hijabs in public, and she's learned that sometimes the best response is to just stare back. It was very difficult because my mom would, um, in elementary school as well, like she would come wearing a hijab and like her abaya sometimes. And I would be so embarrassed. I would want her to leave. I would be rude. I'd be like, mom, like, like go. I wanted, like, I wanted my dad to come here because my dad wears American clothes. He doesn't have, his, he doesn't have his accent. I don't have to translate for him. Uh, and I don't have to for my mother either, but she just kind of has this insecurity with her English and her accent, which is like reasonable. It's like, it's the United States people are pretty much like pretty assholey about it, you know? But, um. Yeah, so just like like my like my mom especially was like a root for that for me, which honestly I feel bad for a lot because like she couldn't control that. That was that was with me. I wasn't confident enough. I should be I should have been able to like fight off these bullies about like my mom and like being Muslim and uh I remember vividly I I I took off for Eid and I on my excuse note for why I took off, I didn't want to write religious reasons. I wanted to write oh I had a dentist appointment. And that was just because we didn't have the access like all our breaks are like centered around like Christian holidays or like just like the U.S. holidays, not necessarily Islamic ones. Sahar really described the community she found of Muslim students at UGA. When she surrounded herself with people who practice Islam and could understand her background, it really helped strengthen her faith. Even at the MSA event I attended, I could really see the community the members had built with each other. They talked and laughed, introducing new friends to the culture. So basically our station has to do with like Islamic wear. We showcase men and women. So like as you can see on the tables, we have puffies. These are what men usually wear to cover their hair. A lot of the time they wear during prayer. Right here we have a different array of like hijabs. This is also what women wear to cover their hair. And then right here we just have some handmade purses. It's not really Islamic wear, but more so like fashion. We also have a small little sajada or basically like a prayer mat. 
And then as you can see on the rack, we have abayas and we have different assortments and different designs. Those is more like modest wear in which women wear because like we believe that hijab is not just a headpiece, it's more so also like the way you wear. So it's it's very like encouraging women to wear loose fitted clothes and so abayas are usually the most traditional and most like the easiest way to go about it. And then we have just more abayas and then we have like in terms of like being a woman in Islam, like obviously we ha there's a lot of stereotypes and there's a lot of things that the media perpetuates that might not necessarily be true. So what are some like misunderstandings and stereotypes and portrayals of Muslim women in media that really frustrates you that you just don't agree with? Uh, as I said in the cafe, like the damsel in distress, like Muslim women are oppressed women and Muslim women, like they need to be freed. Like it's not like that at least not for a lot of people. And I feel like that could honestly be applied to a lot of other religions as well. Like, I don't think that that only applies to Islam, but I think it's been very um, demonized in the media. It's seen as like Muslim women specifically, they're forced to cover up, they're forced to marry men they don't want to marry. And like, they're, they live these oppressed lives where they hate it and it's terrible and they just need one ounce of freedom and then they'll let their hair out and, you know, live their best. Like, you've seen the commercial, like, you've seen the shows. Like, Netflix original series, Elite, I'm calling you out. Like, sorry, she did not, like, you fall in love with some Americanized or Westernized boy and then you rip your hijab off. And it's kind of like, the hijab is not symbolism of oppression. Like hijab is very empowering for a lot of people. And like, it's very difficult to be like, oh yeah, every woman that wears a hijab is oppressed. Because some are forced to wear it, yeah. Some are not. But some women, like me personally, my freshman year, I felt like I had to wear more revealing and less modest clothing to fit in, to be like wearing shorts or skirts or like sleeveless tops or something like that in order to fit in with the community. Nobody talks about that side because there's still that pressure. Like at the beach, people feel uncomfortable wearing bikinis or wear t-shirts or, you know, just because they're uncomfortable in their body and revealing that much. And I think that that side is not talked about enough. And also... Women in Islam have, like, a lot of rights that nobody talks about. Like, everybody's like, they can't do anything, they can't drive, they can't do this, because unlike Saudi, they can't drive. But really, there's, like, nowhere in the Quran that says, like, women can't drive. I think that was just, like, kind of, like, a cultural thing. And, like, there needs to be this big separation that I wish could happen, but it's really difficult it's to separate culture and religion, because culture really does sometimes negatively impact religion. Sahar doesn't normally wear a hijab, but she's working towards that more and more each day. So, like, one thing I really like to promote or just say about Islam is that, like, it's not to change the scripture to be like, oh, what I'm doing is permissible or halal, right? Like, me having my hair out is not what is asked of me. And God doesn't really ask much. But, you know, um, he provides a lot. But, like, you know, he doesn't ask much for from us so or from me. So it's like putting on the hijab would be beneficial. And, like, it would... Um, just like I try to wear it like when I go to Friday prayers so like a few hours before I'll put it on or like I'll try out hijabi styles in the privacy of my home you know and like it's it's something that like I really want to do because it makes me feel comfortable and happy on the inside because I, I don't know I feel like it's really nice to be identifiably Muslim because if I go to a grocery store I see one person I can say salam to them and like it's not like completely just random people at the grocery store it's like oh there's another one <laughs> you know it's nice to ha see people and like be able to have a commonality even with strangers. And so um, one of that is like what, 
like it's just like making sure that I understand that what I'm doing is like for the betterment of myself or the betterment of my relationship with God and just like the people around me you know it makes it easier to chit chat with people because you have a commonality and also just like understanding that it's a journey it's a process some people wear it when they're two some people wear it when they're 40 some people don't ever wear it at all and like I want to be able to be one of the people that do put it on and like sooner rather than later so I'm hoping you know and also just seeing that yeah the men also wear their like they're supposed to be covered they're supposed to wear loose fitting clothing I'm not supposed to be able to see their knees like no short shorts no five inch seams here like sorry like it's just not like men need to be as covered as women do and um it's uh, it's promoted like men don't have to it's not like as mandatory I guess but that's also like cultural influence I feel even in my own mindset there like men should be as much covered as women and like that's just promoted in Islam but people focus on women not men just because the patriarchal society wants to police women more so than the men. During our interview Sahar emphasized the difference between culture and religion. Culture often shapes the way people practice religion something I've even noticed in Christianity. Holy books are reinterpreted over and over by different people in different eras and many perceptions we have surrounding a religion often comes from what we see culturally. I think I think people sometimes it's the easiest you just see hijab you see covered clothes you see something else but people forget that it's more than just what you see it's what you feel what you do what you like how you represent yourself mm-hmm. so yeah what At the beginning of this project, I wanted to understand what draws people to believe in a religion. It's not a simple question to answer, and oftentimes words can't really describe something as personal and intangible as spirituality. And those are like the main components. So um, you start by putting on the water, <laughs> and then you wash your wrist up to your wrist three times. One, two, three. You just want to make sure that you get one your hands wet, and then you do the same thing with your left hand. One, two, three. Then you take cups on and you just put them in your mouth, and just swish it around. Oh, okay. Three times. I attended Friday prayers or Juma with Sahar. Students gathered in the intersection at Tate to listen to a lesson and pray together. She first walked me through wudu, where you cleanse your body before praying, and she lent me a hijab to wear. But yeah, I I wear this thing called a jibab, which is like a skirt piece and then like an entire hijab thing. I'll show, like you'll see it, mm-hmm. and it's just like super easy and not too difficult, and it's like really nice to wear because it's like. You can put it on at any time, no matter what you're wearing. Because mm-hmm. you're just supposed to dress modestly and like loose fitting. Yeah. In here, okay. I don't know if they grabbed all the hijabs or not. Oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, we have like hijabs and other things. So this is cool. And for all the controversy the media places on this one item of clothing, I was really curious to see if I'd feel any different wearing it. Maybe it's anticlimactic 
but it didn't bring about any momentous revelations. Although I did feel a lot more connected with everyone in the room, almost like I belonged a little bit better. together it's been really nice because like I don't know how other people feel about praying but like personally me just being there with people and praying together is just so nice because like in, you'll be there on Friday and you'll hear that like everybody in congregation says Amin together after um, Surah Fatiha and it's like it like vibrates in my heart and I'm like this is so nice because you hear everybody's little different voice everybody's different pitch and it just sounds one it's just it's just oneness and I'm like this is this is this is it you know for me personally and so I really enjoyed it and I hope you can enjoy it too on Friday but yeah To me, the prayers felt like a wave. We moved together, listened together, and although the Imam was reciting in Arabic, I could feel the rhythm of the prayers even when I didn't understand the words. My mom has always been like, like mental, her mental health has been improved through prayer. Mine has helped been through prayer, but also therapy. And so like, um, it's just kind of like, it's what, it's like the extra plus. You need therapy plus God for me personally. So like, I got the therapy. I've changed my behaviors to where I can avoid my like anxious thoughts and things like that and try to avoid um, things that cause me anxiety, try to make sure my schedule is managed and things like that. But like, there's still a little thing missing. And that's just literally, sometimes it's just, putting your head down to the floor, you know, like in sujood. Like that's one thing I love about a prayer too, is that like you're supposed to, my mom was always saying like, make sure you pray like God is standing right in front of you. And so like, um, or as he's right in front of you. And so like um, when you pray, like you have your hands here and then you go, you bow and then you go full and you put your head down onto the floor. And every time I put my forehead to the ground, it's like, it feels like every, all the thoughts that are like in my head, dissipate into the floor and so it's just really nice to have that feeling of like my muscles relax and um like I'm allowed to rest and I just put my head to the floor and I say my like a little prayer I cry if I need to because sometimes it's sometimes you need to cry and um you just get back up and you repeat and then you're like and then you finish and then at the end you're supposed to dua which is like like what you could say is like traditional prayer where you're like you sit in your bread and you're like god please you know what I mean for like the lack of a better explanation but like you just kind of sit with your hands like uh, put together and when I was a kid it's really funny I was always like I have to close all the gaps in my fingers otherwise my prayers will fall out you know like it's really adorable but I would be like okay time to like you know but you just put your hands together and you just pray and you ask God like you're begging basically because like I'm not really that like I'm not that monumental I'm one of one in like a bill eight billion now so it's like so it's like very insignificant after spending time learning from Sahar, experiencing the beauty of prayer and community, I gained a new appreciation for her religion and the meaning it holds for so many, especially for the women of Islam.